Hello and welcome in to a live edition of The Upshot. We are at the Smuggler's Notch Resort in Vermont. We just watched the first round of the PDGA Pro Worlds Championships and we are coming to you live now after the round. We've got a ton to get to. Thanks for joining us. I'm Charlie Eisenhood. Joining me as always is Jamie Thomas. Jamie, a hot, muggy, but exciting day one here at Worlds. Completely confused. Thought I was like back home in the South once again, but... Uh yeah, Smuggler's Notch, absolutely beautiful. So beautiful. And, uh, you know, we, fall weather is coming later this week. And uh, we've got a lot to get to. We have multiple guests coming today. So definitely stick around and jo enjoy this live edition of the show. We haven't done this in a while, so looking forward to it. Uh, our first guest today, and we're going to just get right into it. He's the clubhouse leader. It's Calvin Heimberg. He's sitting at 11 under. He's got a one-stroke lead over Nate Sexton. Calvin, thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm pretty good. So let's uh, take us through your round. You uh, you come out and, you know, all the fanfare on the card in front of you with the filming and all the crowds, and you quietly uh, put down, you went 800 through your first eight holes, and yep. it was cooking. So um, tell us about that hot start and, uh, and how you feel about an 11-under and lead heading into day two. Uh, yeah, started off hot. I got a couple – Lucky breaks early. Hit the hit the basket on hole one where I was probably going to go OB, but instead was able to get a birdie. Um, and then, yeah, not a great drive on hole two either, but was able to make an outside the circle putt. But, um, yeah, after that, it was pretty pretty smooth sailing. Went OB on hole, hole five, but I was inside the circle and was able to save par. And, yeah, um, got a couple more birdies and got to uh, seven where – Threw a destroyer off the tee and carried a little farther than I expected. And uh, after that, I was debating whether or not to lay up with a fairway or go for it again. And uh, I realized worst case scenario, throwing distance driver again was, was a par. So went for it again and was able to put it inside like 20 feet and got a pretty, pretty relatively easy tap-in eagle. Incredible. I, I don't know that I didn't see anybody else even come close to threeing that hole today. Uh, maybe somebody did, but uh, that's remarkable. Uh, you know, you, you took the back-to-back -back bogeys at 9 and 10 uh, mm -hmm. after this uh, obviously amazing start. Yeah. Um, but, you know, did that rattle you at all, or did you just kind of take that in stride? Um, I mean, I guess a bogey always a little frustrating, but uh, yeah, you have to realize that it's one hole, and we're out here for five rounds, so you just have to – Keep on going and keep pushing for more birdies because if you put a good tee shot out there, you're in position to birdie on almost every hole out there at Fox. All right, so let me ask you this question because I'm staring at your stat sheet here and you literally missed one putt inside of circle two or circle one. 100% putting inside the circle, always a great thing. Yeah. Two out of three outside the circle and you had four OB throws. Yeah. So in your mind, when you break this down tonight, are you – saying, oh, man, I had, I had those four OB strokes and it could have been much better. It'd be like, yeah, I putted like a beast today. No, I putted way better than I normally do. And uh, you can't – I mean, you're bound to go OB with all the OB out there at some point generally. So not really disappointed with the OBs. I, there was a couple of places where I went OB and missed where I wanted to and allowed me to save my pars. And, um, yeah, I mean, as a whole, I played good. I mean, got some lucky breaks, as I said, so can't be very upset. Sure, I went OB four times, but – I mean, I also got a few lucky breaks, so could have been a few strokes worse. You know, you you 
snuck on to the lead. I shouldn't say snuck on, but we, we hadn't seen a lot of you necessarily on lead card uh, filmed coverage until you finished third at MVP. Mm-hmm. And we got a chance to see you, and so did everybody else, yeah. um, in, an, you know, obviously a, a fantastic final day at that tournament. Uh, but you've kind of been trending in the right direction somewhat quietly. You've got multiple top ten finishes over the last couple of months, and obviously the third at MVP. Mm-hmm. Were you feeling good, positive momentum coming into this weekend? Yeah, I mean, I felt felt pretty good. I mean, I've been playing good the past few weeks. And, um, yeah, I played, got to practice these courses, and I feel good about them. And, you know, just got to go out there and stay calm and execute your game plan. So Brewster Ridge tomorrow, how does that change your mentality? Or, or does it change your game plan, whether you're in the lead, five strokes back? How are you feeling? Um I think I don't think there's any real game plan change. I, I'm going out there trying to attack and get birdies. It's kind of the same kind of deal as Fox Run, where if you put a good tee shot out there, you're in position to attack for birdie. It just the course punishes you a little differently. As you know, Fox Run, there's a lot of OB, and Brewster, there's a little less OB, but you know you have the woods to scramble out of when you do throw an iron shot. Tell us a little bit about yourself just generally you, you're from florida mm-hmm. uh you you just recently graduated from the university of florida yeah uh, what's uh wh- you know what's what's that been like i mean so you're so young uh, we talk about the young talent coming up and honestly your name hasn't been on that list all that often but that seems unfair considering what we just saw today so tell us a little bit about your background um yeah i mean i started playing disc golf when i was probably 11 or 12 years old um been playing pretty constant since then, um, a lot of good players down where I'm from in Clearwater, Florida. And, uh, yeah, I mean, try to get out to the bigger events, but the past, you know, four and a half years or so, I've been going to school. So graduated, and now I'm going and touring a little bit and playing some of the bigger events and just traveling around, enjoying life a little bit. So you're kind of feeling this thing out? Is this uh, – it may be too soon to tell, but is this a, a direction you want to go with your life? Or, you know, are you kind of pursuing your degree or what you studied? I don't know. We'll see. I don't. I haven't really. I'm still feeling it out. I don't know. Yeah, not ready to answer the big picture question. <laughs> no, just got not off the ready, course. Not We're ready. throwing crazy stuff at him. Not ready. To answer so, the what big are you going to do with your life? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, did did you have an expectation to be the clubhouse leader today? I don't think you ever. I mean, you would love to be, but I, I don't ever go into a round expecting to shoot the hot round or be the clubhouse leader. I mean. I'm just going out there trying to execute the shots I know I can and shoot as well as I can. 1078 the PDGA gave you. Feel fair? Yeah, it's pretty fair. I mean, it's a pretty good rating considering, <laughs> I mean, good. you want OB four times. and I mean, That's what I'm saying. You're so. four OB strokes away from that 1108 like yeah. Rick and Paul been putting down this year, man. You're in good company. Yeah. Yep. So it's probably pretty fair. I mean, maybe a little inflated with, you know, all the good players coming to the big tournaments, the way ratings are formatted. You know, it takes into account the people that are at the event. So, but we're, I'm happy with it. We're live right now on the Upshot. We're coming to you from the Smuggler's Notch Resort. Uh, Calvin, it looks like you're going to be playing tomorrow with, uh, looks like Nico ended up finishing at 9-under. So I believe it's going to be Nate Sexton. Nicola Castro, and then either James Conrad or Paul McBath will have to confirm. I believe the tiebreaker is PDGA number. So uh, the way that it's listed right now would be James Conrad. But some, you know, some heavy hitters. Obviously, mm-hmm. you have plenty of experience playing against great players. Uh, does it change anything to know that you're going to be on the lead card? You're going to be filmed? There's going to be people following the card? Uh, or is it just a, another day at the office? Um, I think from 
I think it's an, another day. I mean, I did get some experience out there at MVP playing on lead card last round uh, with a big gallery, which I think will help going in tomorrow. But as a whole, I think same same approach, just go out there and try to attack the course. Yeah, speaking of MVP and that lead card, did you, did you kind of learn anything from that experience? What was the biggest takeaway that may have translated to the success? Um, I don't know. Uh, I mean, definitely the last round was, was different dealing, dealing with the crowd. I mean, you know, there's just so many people. you got to weave your way through them to get to your next hole. But, I mean, as a whole, I mean, everyone's out there standing still. They're just watching. So nothing really changes on the course. They're just, they're just trees while you're putting. So, I mean, crowds, as long as they're, you know, not dancing in your background, don't, don't really do too much to the game. Sure. So thoughts on heading into tomorrow and, you know, does this change how you look at the rest of the weekend? I mean, obviously you're in a great position going forward. Yeah. I mean, I just, I don't think I'm going to change anything. I think I'm just going to stick with all the shots that I was going with before. Um, I don't think there's any holes I'm going more or less aggressive on, but uh, yeah, I think we're just going to go try to attack the course the way we practiced it and, Hopefully we get a good result like we did today. That's, That's awesome. awesome. I'm excited. I, I'm, I was really excited to see you play at MVP and kind of see you just sling it out there and, and show the world what you're capable of. So you got a fan. We're, right. We'll be looking forward to you hopefully staying up top and uh, then you can come on Sunday and tell us what it's like when you finish well, yep. you know. Yep, hopefully. And, and I just looked it up. You had the only eagle on seven today. Yeah, it's a pretty wow. hard hole. It's a pretty hard eagle. hole. Uh, I was surprised when – I was inside the circle, so. That is some serious power. 1,225-foot hole, and you got to make two really, really, really good shots to even have a look at Eagle. To be inside the circle is remarkable. I've got the photo. I was looking at the photo on yeah. Galvin's phone just a moment ago, and it, it was a good look. Let's just put it that way. Oh, yeah, and you're talking about a 1,225-foot hole where you have this OB Creek that's running probably anywhere from 450 to 500 feet because it cuts diagonally across that fairway. Right. I mean, only the longest throwers in the game are really looking at putting a 500-foot hyzer over that thing and, and attacking. You know, you see plenty of people either trying to go for it or lay up. But the funny thing I saw, I was following Garrett Gerthy a little earlier, and uh, I saw a lot of people flying the green on that one. Now, so some of you all may remember that a couple years back, it was um, more left. So when you guys see the coverage come out, you'll see that the pin is more to the right. It's kind of straight. I remember I was here for 2016, the Pro Tour Championships, and it was a much e more easily accessed via the righty hyzer. And then they just said, no, you can't do that. You got to push the OB with that hyzer if you're really going to get there. And I think that caused a lot of people to kind of fly OB long. But so super impressed with a, uh, you know, less than 20 foot eagle putt on that thing. Yeah. All right. Well, Calvin Heinberg, congrats. You are the clubhouse leader. You got a one stroke lead on Nate Sexton heading into round two tomorrow. Good luck out there. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. So, uh, Calvin, one of many players who, who played well today, and he ends up uh, one stroke ahead, of course. But, you know, you look down at where things are, and there's a lot of players clustered in that top range. you got Nate Sexton at 10 under, and then you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven players at nine under, and you got, let's, I mean, go down the list. You've got some heavy hitter names. Paul Macbeth, James Conrad, but you have some less less uh, expected names in there as well. Matt Bell, Lance Brown, Nicola Castro, Andrew Fish, 
who is going to be heavily favored to play well in the woods where he's known to play great. So he's he's a sitting in a great position right now. Uh, and Jake Lauber is the last player at nine down. Um, and, and there's a lot of players. I mean, another probably 15 players within uh, four shots of the lead. So certainly not a ton of separation today. But I do think that you started already to see the cream rise to the top. Yeah, I'm surprised to see nine unders. I'm surprised to see that many nine unders. Fox Run Meadow is not an easy course. I mean, it's a very attackable course. But again, you know, we had a lot of heat, a lot of humidity today. Like I said earlier in the intro, it felt like a day just in the deep south. So those kind of rounds were, especially you're on a course without a lot of shade. It's that first round. You may not want to go super aggressive. You're going to have to see this course two more times by the time the weekend's done. I mean, this just, you can tell how much this means to people. I, I know that sounds stupid at the World Championships, but first round results speak for themselves. T ton of emotions out on the course today. And, you know, you saw some players get, I mean, Nico LaCastro was super heated up early in the round, uh, not happy with his play, but I mean, he caught fire. And on, he f had four straight birdies from eight through 11, and then had another four birdies down the rest of the back nine. Um, after a relatively sluggish start, uh, he was even through five. And, you know, I, I was I was following um, Calvin Heinberg's card for a while, and, and uh, Jeremy Colling was on his card, and Big Germ did not have his best day. Struggled a little bit off the tee, couldn't really place the shots where he wanted them. He was spraying it, you know, into the, into the trees, into the OB, and getting incredibly frustrated with the way that he was playing perhaps because he had some birdies he'd had five birdies in the front nine but that was backed up with two double bogeys and some other bogeys that's a frustrating day it's one thing if you're just off but to be feeling like you're capable of making some quality shots and he did he saved multiple pars with unbelievable second shots from tough spots coming out of the ob but um you know he at one point threw one out of bounds and then proceeded to go find the largest stick that he could find and throw it as hard as he could into the woods. Uh, North Carolina style. Yeah, oh, North Carolina <laughs> style, yes. Uh, and, you know, it, the, the emotion is real. Oh, most definitely. I mean, and I'm, I'm staring over at Matt Bell's scorecard right now. Crazy? You know, this is the craziest okay, scorecard. you ready for this? I'm ready. You ready for this? Ooh, guy has three pars on the day. <laughs> he pars the first two, which, okay, hole number two, most of these guys are looking at as a musket. Hole number one, if you can place a mid-range off the tee for most of these pro players, you can get up and down with a quality upshot. So two very birdieable holes, and he starts off a little slow uh, compared to the pace, rips off five birdies in a row after that, takes a double bogey, and then rips off another five birdies in a row after that, and then has a double bogey in the last five holes remaining, and then birdies out. <laughs> so it's... You know, it should be noted that he's also the world mixed doubles champion, Matt Bell, with Lisa Fakus. So clearly he's he's feeling himself this week. He's yeah. ready for this. And, you know, there's so many great stories from today. I mean, we could go into any any number of details. I talked to Lance Brown this morning. He was uh, the first first tee first teed off card and, and was the first to finish, of course. And, um, you know, Lance Brown beat Macbeth back at the wintertime open. And has had a quiet season otherwise. Yeah, we haven't called his name you since You might then. wonder why. Well, he has a wart on his middle finger 
that caused him a lot of pain. So he had to stop playing for a while to try to deal with that. But when he stopped playing, the calluses on his hand that, that he picks up when he throws forehand started to wear away. And so when he got back to throwing, he started getting blood blisters. Ooh. So he had his finger completely taped up and like covered with the kind of foam padding and yet went out there and shot nine down and was canning putts right and left. Uh, and he, he seems incredibly confident. He says, I'm not at 100 percent. I'm you know, I can throw 90 percent of the shots that I know that I'm capable of. But with the finger, you know, I can't get that those last 10 percent. But I just tried to put myself in good positions and obviously did that today. Oh, no doubt. And, you know, it's funny, funny to be able to throw that far to have the problems with your hands. Drew Gibson, also somebody who's known to uh, carry super glue around because he's ripped up his finger a handful of times. In fact, he hands me he hands me a little bottle of super glue and says, hey, try to open this. He's used it so many times. It is literally super glued shut. <laughs> you can't even get into it anymore. So. How, how about this for scorecards? Greg Barsby, eight under, but he has three bogeys, and two of his birdies were throw-ins from over 100 feet, back-to-back holes, 11 and 12. Totally insane. Insane. But at the same time, not surprising given who that is. And he said to me when I asked him about it, he said, I practice the shot and I have that look and I use my pink AVR and he pulls it out of his bag. He's like, this thing's magic for me right now. He said it started heating up a ton a couple weeks back at MVP and he threw that one in both times from 110 and 104 feet for uh, back-to-back birds. It's just just a (laughs) back-to-back. That's the ridiculous part of it all. But I, I saw him on, he was coming down on 18 I hadn't seen him this week yet, so you know, gave him a big hug, my NorCal boy. Saw Patrick Brown there too. First thing uh, Barsby says to me, he goes, "Almost had a good round. <laughs> I, was, I was four off of a good round." And I, you know, I figure, okay, he's got he's three or four down for the round. Like, almost shot eight. No, the dude shot eight. He was four off of being the clubhouse leader. That's a good round to him. So, when he's feeling it, he's feeling it. But definitely a streaky player. So you know, tons of players in the mix. It, it is certainly where we're, there's no separation whatsoever right now. Uh, you've got 10 players clumped up within two strokes of the lead and another 10 or 15 within four shots of the lead. So uh, lots more to come. Uh, we're going to bring on now Ulti-World Disc Golf reporter Daniel Prentice, who was following FPO today and uh, uh, definitely a surprising name at the top of the leaderboard right now. Uh, and that is Rebecca Cox, who's at one under uh, for the day. And uh, again, the, the the women played Brewster today, while the men played Fox Run, and they will switch tomorrow, of course. Uh, so Rebecca Cox has a three-stroke lead uh, over Paige Bjorkas, Jessica Weiss, and Holly Finley, who are all sitting at two over. Daniel Prentice, uh, Ulti World Disc Golf reporter, uh, hello. Hello, Charlie. Thanks for joining us. Of course. Uh, Tell us a little bit of what you, about what you saw out there. Uh, Rebecca Cox, obviously a, a talented player, but not somebody that we've seen at the top of a lot of leaderboards, particularly at uh, you know a, a tournament as important as the uh, World Championships. Sure, yeah. I, she seemed a little surprised with her performance um, and was, until tallying her final score, completely unaware that she had shot one under and uh, even more surprised that she had a three-stroke lead when her, <laughs> tournament, when her, her round came to an end. 
But she just did a better job of staying in the fairway. Brewster was a really tough course today and very unforgiving if you miss the fairway. If you miss the fairway on your drive, you are basically not going to get better than a bogey and likely to do worse. Uh, and she just avoided those mistakes and, and mostly shot pars but got four birdies when they were available and, and just avoided the mistakes that so many other players suffered through today. I mean, I'm staring at this board here, and, and I'll be completely honest with everybody listening right now. Uh, I was bogged down in a bunch of technical stuff this afternoon. This is the first time I've even looked at the FPO scores. So naming off Cox, Bjorkus, Wies, Finley, we're staring at a lead card with no world champions. I know it's only the second round, but, I mean, break that down. That's a little surprising. Sure. I, I mean, Paige Pierce struggled a bit today. Uh, she's the big name, obviously, in, in the division right now. Um, and she was one of those players where the, the drive just wasn't always there for her. Um, and we saw her have a couple really big scores. Um, she double bogeyed seven. She triple bogeyed 11. And she was one player who was maybe a little too aggressive in trying to make up for when those drives weren't landing uh, and kind of compounding on itself to get those really big scores. But she had the most birdies in, in the division today. Um, so, you know, when she's on, she was on and, and her best self and better than anyone else. Uh, and, and she seemed excited to play Fox Run, of course, a little bit more open, um, maybe play to her strengths a little bit more. But, you know, for having a quote-unquote bad round for Paige, still right there, just a few strokes off the lead and, and within a striking distance, I, I think she's pretty happy with that. And again, our expectations of Paige are obviously sky high given of course. the way she started this mm -hmm. year. It's, it's pretty ridiculous. Um, I'd right. like to ask you real quick about somebody – who we haven't seen towards the top of the leaderboard. Did you get a read on Holly Finley? Didn't have a whole lot of roller coastering, a, a whole bunch of white scores, a whole bunch of pars here on the UDIS scorecard. So she's just kind of quietly mm -hmm. right there in the mix. Sure, yeah. I, I mean, another player who just did a good job of avoiding the disasters, right? I mean, th I think that was kind of the best game plan to attack Brewster, not try to do too much, stay in the fairway, um, and take your pars. And, and that's what she did. She did it really well. Um, and it's got her in the hunt right now. So, you know, I, I guess the question is, with the, with the FPO division playing Brewster three times and Fox Run only twice, you know, obviously there's a pretty high expectation that Paige Pierce is going to have a, 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 a substantial advantage on Fox Run just because of the distances required. Of course. And just her ability to, to throw it further than anyone else. She just won the distance championship earlier this week uh, pretty handily by, like, 50 feet. So, it, it, is there – I mean, there's obviously plenty of time, and she's only four strokes back, so it's not like this is any kind of disaster. But this is now uh, a bit of a trend. We've right. seen her pressing. We've seen her struggling to make quality approach shots, and that seems to maybe have been an issue today as well. Yeah. Is she going to be able to play her way out of that uh, over the next four rounds? Well, that obviously remains to be seen. Uh, when I talked to her after her round, she didn't seem down on herself. Um, you know, players are always going to talk about how the last stroke is in the past already, right? You know, it's about the next shot. Um, and that that's good player speak. But, I mean, I was convinced when she said it. She seemed genuine um, <laughs> that she wasn't focusing on her good shots or her bad ones today. Um, you know, I, I mean, she and for talent, she's the best player in the world. And, and I don't think she has any reason to feel like she can't come back from this lead. She knows, especially with, you know, the amount of rounds. I, I think the more time you're going to play – 
spend playing disc golf, the more it's going to favor the best, most talented players, right? Um, and and I, I wouldn't expect her to get a triple bogey again and probably not to get too many double bogeys, if any. Um, so for her having a bad round to still be there, I, I, I see no reason, you know, to, to doubt her at this point. Yeah, you look at that sequence, holes 10, 11, 12. Birdie, triple bogey, birdie. Mm-hmm. This feels like <laughs> Paige Pierce in a nutshell lately. Yeah. Um, so uh, a- any other storylines on the day that we should take note of as we get ready for uh, round two action tomorrow at Fox Run? It just seems it seems very open still. I mean, so many players, you know, within a few strokes. Uh, you mentioned Paige Birkus. She was very impressive. Another player who who avoided those disastrous holes. You know, when when she was looking at a bogey, she mostly kept it to a bogey rather than let it compound on itself and fall back out of the lead. Um, Sarah Hokum also a solid round. You know, it, it'll be very interesting to see how things open up on the more open course. Um, it, it just so different having seen how both courses played, you know, and the men's and women's divisions today. Um, it, it's just going to be a completely different golf course. And, and, you know, maybe some player who is not anywhere close is going to make a run on the different course. Um, and with so many rounds left to play, it just, it just it feels still very open, um, despite, you know, Rebecca Cox having a three-stroke lead at the top. It really does feel different to play five rounds versus four. Totally. Because if it was four, you already start thinking about, okay, well, what's the setup going to mm-hmm. look like for a couple days from now? But with five, this almost feels like the prelims. It's kind of like set the stage. You know, some people are out already. Basically, sure. you know, they had, if you had a disaster round today, you're done. But a lot of people in the mix. It's yeah. like a play-in game. Yeah, <laughs> in, in, in March Madness. Yes. Yeah. you know, we got some. We got some. Si- can can we do a 16 seed story real quick? Since we're doing <laughs> that analogy, heart goes out to Tiara Jewel. I mean, she's currently sitting in last place in the division. She shot a really tough 28 over. But I'm not not harping on her. We've got to tell this story here. She only had two pars in her first 13 holes and not in the good way. But what does she do on hole 14? Steps up and parks it. Doesn't matter that she came off of a large bogey streak. She comes out and parks it. So you just see this little yellow bar. And then the blue score, and that's what golf is all about. So I want to, you know, we're going to talk about the top players in the division. I want to give a shout out to Tiara Jewel right now for not giving up and just going hard and saying, you know what, I still got this. And 14, one of the toughest holes on the course today. Uh, a lot of players, even at the top of, of the leaderboard right now, struggled with that hole. So definitely shout out to Tiara. Awesome stuff. All right. Well, Daniel Prentice, thank you so much. Uh, looking forward to hearing your insight later this week as well. Absolutely. Thank you, Joey. All right, so there's where we sit. You've got your lead cards coming up here. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, it's, of course, going to be Calvin Heimberg, Nate Sexton, Nico Locastro, and did we confirm James Conrad? Uh, we're going to see how they sort. Uh, let me hit refresh real quick. Since we are live, we want to give updated info. I don't see tee times yet, but if it, if they're sorting by PDGA number, it will be James Conrad knocking and Paul I, Macbeth. I am almost positive that that is the tiebreaker. So it should be James Conrad. Uh, but we, of course, will confirm once we have tea times. We are live right now. If you have questions for us, don't hesitate to tweet at us at UltiWorldDG. You can also comment right there on Spreaker in the live chat. And we're happy to take any questions that you have. So, Jamie, um, you know, it's going to cool off a little tomorrow. That's a good, that's honestly something that we may want to talk about. And I don't really want to harp on it right now, but perhaps tomorrow we can discuss the weather. It was it was pleasant today, but it was definitely hot. 
Um, I think, you know, it was kind of sneaky hot in some ways. Like, it wasn't that bad if you were walking around, but when you got standing still in the sunshine, and at least for me, I probably drank eight bottles of water today, and I wasn't playing. So uh, I imagine that there may be some hydration issues for players. Just uh, it's tough to stay hydrated out there because it's humid and, and, and quite hot for this time of year. I was joking around with uh, the legend himself, Mr. Ron Converse. And, you know, we're, he's from Oklahoma, so, you know, being from Louisiana and even in New York, you know, you get a lot of heat there and you get humidity there. The thing you don't always get with that heat and humidity in some of these places is elevation. And when you're talking about Fox Run Meadows, you're talking about that back nine. You have to climb the hill to get to 18. So you got to stretch a four or five holes there where, you know, first of all, you may have gotten beaten up at the holes around the lake or you may have thrown a few more OB than you wanted to. It's hot, it's humid, and you got to climb that hill to throw back down the hill one last time. So that combination, and then looking forward to tomorrow, different course, different weather, a very Jekyll and Hyde kind of situation we have up here in Vermont. Yeah, tomorrow uh, forecast looking like uh, about almost 15 degrees cooler, high of 74, and we're going to have some thunderstorms, uh, particularly in the morning. Looks like it's not going to affect the lead cards later in the day at, at least right now um, but uh, definitely could be see, see some delays if, if there is indeed lightning um, and there will be some rain in the early morning hours and probably for the early rounds uh, then looking ahead just a little bit the uh, forecast for friday sunny and 73 and then it's going to cool off saturday high of 63 sunny but much cooler i mean we're talking about going from summer day today to clearly a fall day, bring your sweater on Saturday, um, and then it'll close out with a very pleasant 67 high on Sunday. So we'll keep an eye on that. But uh, lots of ups and downs. Hopefully not too much rain tomorrow. Yeah, we, you never never want rain as a media person. Never. It's just it adds complication to everything. Uh -huh. But at the same time, you know, we got some weather change, but it's not extreme. It's not like Vegas where it was borderline freezing, and, and it's not like Arizona where, you know, you're borderline boiling eggs on a <laughs> sidewalk. It's, uh, it's very manageable for all of these players. They have that skill. Well, I, I do want to, you know, speaking of media stuff, we have a little announcement. Ooh. And Lay it on them. We're not quite – I think we, as of this moment, if you're listening live, it's not quite ready. But it's ready enough for Upshot listeners to get the sneak preview. Yeah. And that is that we have a brand-new YouTube channel. So go seek us out on YouTube and give us a follow, Ulti World Disc Golf, uh, and we will have our very first video, a caddy book video that Jamie put together, going up tonight on the channel, and we've got a lot more video coverage coming your way this week. We're going to have some uh, player profiles, some highlights. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. I, we got some extra cameras out here, and uh, starting tomorrow, may start taking them out on the course and see what we see. So, uh, Jamie, you want to just give a little quick uh, idea of what the Caddy Book video is all about? Sure. Uh, very awesome to be able to kind of undergo this adventure here and, and boot this YouTube channel up. Sort of the thing we've been bandying about behind the scenes so everybody knows. We're here to make you guys better fans. You know, you want to know more about these courses you're seeing. You want to know more about different players that you see on Jomez or Central Coast or what Tea Time Productions is out here too, and Smashbox is going to go live. So if you want to know more, pick better, fantasy picks, talk more smack to your friends, Ulti World Disc Golf YouTube channel is where you want to be. And because of that, 
our first video we're putting up is the caddy book. Big shout out to Innova for coming through and sponsoring the very first video that we ever offered. Uh, love their support and can't thank them enough. We have Nate Sexton, Madison Walker, Lisa Fakus, world doubles champion Lisa Fakus. Indeed. And world putting and world skill shot champion Mr. James Conrad. It feels right that he owns those two awards, to be honest. Oh, it was Not crazy. a one-day competition, but, I mean, he, he deserves those titles. Oh, and, and quick sidebar, when we were filming with him, I didn't even realize he had won both of them. I, you know, bogged down in technical. I hadn't been paying attention to the field events. And he looks at me and he goes, yeah, I won putting by, like, ten strokes. I don't think if I tried that again, I could do what I did. <laughs> I don't know how I did that. But, you know, we know how he did it. We've been watching him all year. Uh, but, yeah, basically these four players, are they each picked a hole that is very important to them and their strategy, how they're going to attack this week. And they break it down for you. They tell you the challenge of the hole. They tell you the disc that they like to throw on it so that you know, um, you know, e even if you don't throw that brand, you can kind of translate that to your bag and kind of figure out, hey, how would I score? Or, hey, what can I expect when I see my favorite player attack on Brewster or attack on Fox Run? So literally, as soon as we get off the air here, I am going to hit publish on this video. And I wish we gave out, like, how PDJ has numbers like forever numbers mm -hmm. because I think we only have like five subscribers on YouTube. So you could have like, you could be like in the single digit oh. OG subscriber. It's list. a chance to be OG for sure. And if you're listening right now, you will be one of the first people to check out this video. So maybe you can go get the first comment on our first ever video. You know what? Hey, you know what we're going to do free year. You just pro first comment, first comment on the I video. Like when it. you see it, I like year it. You just pro. Holler at your boy. And, uh, Let's make it happen. The Udis guys are here, uh, of course, at Worlds, and uh, appreciate everything that they do. It makes it really makes it so much easier to follow along. And I, I know that from watching at home, but even in person, I'm you know, especially today with with uh, ra essentially random cards, just being able to check in and see you know who's playing great right now. And I'm you know I'm on hole 14, and oh my God, Calvin Heinberg's killing it back. In the front nine, I got to go swing and check out his card, and that is it's never been easier to follow as a fan. And, of course, the video coverage will start rolling out uh, per perhaps this evening, maybe, maybe tomorrow morning uh, with all of the post-production stuff. Live coverage begins with Smashbox on Friday. They'll have coverage of rounds three, four, and five. Uh, lots and lots of video coming your way. And, hey, we're going to make our little dent into helping you follow along and kind of make the most of uh, – following this tournament so definitely stick around uh the website as well got lots of recap coverage coming your way tonight we will have mpo and fpo recaps and a whole lot more later this week so uh jamie i i think uh we'll we'll leave it there and and get ready for uh, round two tomorrow yeah plenty of more action coming y'all's way this week hey if anybody out there wants to hear from a specific player this is like a big family reunion out here at worlds if you want to if you got somebody you want to hear from want to know what they're up to Hit us up. Charlie, let him know how to hit us up here so we can. So easy. Upshot at ultiworld.com. You can also tweet at us at ultiworlddg. Um, and, you know, just email us and say, hey, I, I, we'd love to hear from so-and-so. I think it's great that we could have Calvin on today. What a, what a perfect situation. This up-and-coming young player, so talented, and uh, has a lead after round one. And there's, I mean, obviously, there's pretty much everybody here except Nate Dawson, Val Jenkins, and Johnny McRae. Uh, but most players here, and it's great to be able to just check in with everybody. So, uh, you know, we've got a live show every day. So let us know who you want to hear from, and we'll see what we can do.
Yeah, it was really awesome for Calvin to stop by. Uh, humble, humble young man too. He he gave a lot of credit. I kind of asked him. I was, I was ribbing him a little bit. So I say, "Oh, you're the heir apparent to Clearwater, huh? Cliff Stevens' home course, obviously famously where Climo cut his teeth." And uh, you know, he said, "No." He he looks at me. He said, "No, Garrett and Johnny and Kenny, they they beat me way more than I beat them." So. <laughs> Um, well, that's maybe true, but uh, probably won't be true for that much longer. The way you look at he does this, man. man. And it's not like he was, you know, on some crazy heater today where he was playing an unsustainable game. Uh, he had a couple of bogeys and went about out of bounds a few times, and he still shot 11 under. And there were a lot of other players who had good days today, and his was best. So we'll see what he can do tomorrow in the woods. The only fault I can find with him that he's a Florida Gators fan. <laughs> you know, that's that's all I got. Well, you just alienated 5% of our audience. But you know what? Maybe they should have been alienated. That's We're sitting next to a Knowles fan right here, Daniel Prentice, a big Florida State guy from Tallahassee. So, uh, All right, well, th- thanks for listening. That's going to do it for this live edition of The Upshot. It's Wednesday night. It is, uh, what day is it? September 5th. We'll be back tomorrow, September 6th, with another show. And uh, new guests all week. And, of course, it's just going to get more exciting and more fun from here. So follow along with us. Follow us. uh, Give us a subscribe if you haven't already. And, you know, give us a rating. iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, wherever you listen to the podcast. You go hit that five-star button and give us your thoughts. And, of course, you can always reach us, upshot at ultiworld.com. Giveaways coming later this week as well. Oh, we got some cool giveaways coming later this week. You're going to want to stay tuned for that. Uh, we got Innova is going to throw us some swag to give away. MVP is going to throw us some swag to give away. We got some more UDIS to give away. It's going to be great. I can't wait. Uh, last thing before we sign off, I don't want to forget trivia. Trivia. I asked last week. Uh, we're just going to answer the question. We'll have maybe we'll have a new question for tomorrow. But the trivia from last show: mm-hmm. Who? There are seven players in the top ten of both the Disc Golf Pro Tour standings and the National Tour standings. Uh, I gave you six of them last week on the show. Number seven, Grady Shue. And, you know, that was a surprise to me when I saw that. And I believe our winner is Sam Krieg. Congratulations. You were the first one to let us know that uh, it is indeed Grady Shue. And so, Sam, get ready for a free year of UDISC Pro. Also, Sam says, P.S., my wife is an English instructor at NC State Go pack, Jamie. Yes. Oh, yes. Okay, Sam, we do need – I will share his story later this week. He sent me an amazingly heartfelt email. Um, He actually might not have been the first person to answer, but I'm giving Sam Krieg a year of UDIS Pro anyway. Stay tuned for tomorrow. I will tell his story on air. It literally had me tearing up in a barbershop of all places. So stay tuned. All right. Cliffhanger. Well, that – we will leave you with that for tomorrow. Thanks for joining us. He's Jamie Thomas. I'm Charlie Eisenhood. Thanks again to Calvin Heinberg, Daniel Prentice for joining us. And that is it for this live edition of The Upshot. Lots more to come your way. Discgolf.ultiworld.com is your home for coverage of the 2018 PDGA Pro World Championships. Talk to you tomorrow.